Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Ladies, thank you for joining us today, wherever you find yourself listening to this podcast. Um, We are in a series that is specific to October. Uh, You may or may not know that um, within the United States, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And it is designated that because people across our nation um, rally together to end domestic violence through education and awareness. Because we are a ministry of women for women, we cannot deny the effects and the existence of abuse that our sisters have incurred um, over the course of their lives, many of our, our sisters. And so we wanted to be um, we wanted to be a faith partner in this throughout this month in in sharing testimonies, in sharing resources, and really just using our voice on this podcast to foster freedom, healing, help, and wholeness in Christ, um, either to women who are uh, caught in an abusive situation. And if, if that is you, at the end of this podcast, we will provide information about how you can get help immediately in the community or area that you live in. Um, or more common to our experiences um, in ministering some of our programming, offering those same elements in Christ of, of freedom, healing, help, and wholeness to those who find themselves in recovery uh, from an abusive situation. And I just I want to start out before I introduce our, um, our guest on this episode um, by really defining what uh, domestic violence is. Um, is. And uh, domestic violence is defined by Merriam-Webster as the inflicting of injury from one family member to to another. Um, so you'll hear in, in this series of episodes this month stories and testimonies from women who have experienced what you may more traditionally think of as domestic violence uh, from partner or, or spouse, and then those also who have suffered other kinds of, of abuse from trusted family members or individuals in their household. And so I am going to begin um, in prayer, and I just ask you to continue listening with us. If this is not on your radar, if this is not part of your story, I promise you it is part of the story of someone in your community. They may, they may actually um, live an extent um, in isolation if they've not shared that with you, but this is a, a rampant issue. Um, not just in the United States, but but worldwide, and so uh, we just we want to do our part in the next few minutes to uh, to equip and to encourage. So, Lord, I just thank you that your word says you go before us. I thank you that you bring to remembrance the things that we need to know. That you give us your spirit of truth to guide us into all truth, because where the truth, uh, where there is truth, it sets free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that is our intention for every episode that we'll record in this series, Father. So with that, I I pray your blessing upon our guest in this episode and in episodes to come. And we pray for every woman listening that you would would change and transform her heart, that she would have a revelation of your delight in her, Father, uh, regardless of if if this content has anything to do with her or if she's listening because there's a, a neighbor or or a woman in her Sunday school class or her workplace that needs her to know this information. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect timing, for your seasons. In Jesus' name, amen. So our first uh, our guest on this episode um, is is Dana Hargis. Dana is a personal friend of my family's. Uh, Dana is an anointed woman of God, and Dana is a licensed professional counselor with a master's in education, and she um, 
she owns a flourishing private practice um, here in, in South Central Oklahoma. And uh, and Dana has agreed to come on as a guest to kind of speak uh, both professionally and spiritually um, to, to how you walk out a process um, like trauma and abuse for those who have who that has been their their norm. What are some some next steps to to returning or to um, experiencing a freedom that seems so far out of sight? And so that's kind of the intersection of of how Dana arrives here, and um, and and we're going to ask some more specific questions. But Dana, I'd just ask at this time: Is there? And Dana's been in practice of, of some sort in the mental health field for um, for 20 years now. So she has a wealth of knowledge and experience. And again, she's our sister in Christ more importantly than than even what she does professionally. Uh, and so she'll be sharing from both vantage points. Dana, is there any context that you want to give about yourself or what you do before we go more into uh, the episode? Um, I guess professionally, I have to say that one of, one of my favorite roles is helping women find freedom because I feel like so often we're in bondage, in bondage to our past, in bondage to what other people think about us, in bondage to what we think about ourselves, in bondage to what we think that God thinks about us. So that idea that I am so blessed to get to come along beside women as a not just as a believer, but even in my professional life, I, it just feels so, such a blessing. Some days I come home and think, I oh, know I got paid to do that. What fun. Because it, it, it's just such a joy to watch women find their way to who God intended them to be. It, it definitely, and I when I hear people say that they're thinking about going into counseling or a different um, mental health profession, I feel like that is such a, such a plentiful harvest where we should be praying that God send laborers into that field because what an opportunity to get to do that vocationally. What we're called to do as believers, anyway, help others uh, walk out of of um, bondage and into freedom. Um, so, just generally, Dana, um, in in your twenty years of practice, um, how have you been? And maybe you weren't surprised, but um, were you surprised to see how common abuse is um, in in the home and in trusted relationships? And we'll just kind of blanket leave it leave it at that. Um, I was unbelievably surprised. I I think I was so naive. And um, my first job when I was still under supervision for licensure was um, a Medicaid job. And that's what most, um, that's where you, you know, tend to work if you're, um, if you're just learning for sure. Not that I don't still do some of that because I do, but um, I could not imagine what I was seeing. And honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do the job because I had uprooted my life. I was a school teacher. I had gone back to school and quit my job and changed. And then when I began to see what I was seeing, I couldn't stop thinking, what if somebody did this to my kids? How can I let this kid go home? I I wanted to fix everything. I wanted to scream at the authorities that be that you have to do something. I made call after call and I feel like I was thrown under the bus by people in authority because I just would not stop um, what they considered overreacting. Looking back, I still don't think I was overreacting. I think that there are things that are happening that have become so commonplace that we don't um, give it the attention it needs or or deal with it in a way that it needs to be dealt with. But um, yeah, I, I could not imagine. And so that was my first perspective. And then as years have passed and I've seen more um, people who you would consider upper, upper middle class, even to affluent, um, I guess my perception was that when you shifted economic status groups, there would be potentially less um, of that that went on, and I don't really think that's been the case at all. It it seems to cross bounds. It, it you know the domestic violence or um, 
or even maybe not that's currently going on, but it could be that in somebody's history, it is across all all barriers. It, it, you know, it's not just for people who don't have resources or people who are who um who don't have a voice. It crosses all all barriers. Yes, and and I do just want to acknowledge domestic violence. Um, it could happen uh, to to a man or a woman, but statistically, it's highest um, highest toward toward women on on the receiving end, and that could be uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, uh, a, a variety of of things. I'm glad that you mentioned um, kind of the economic aspect because something that I wanted to do was just address that stereotype right off the bat. And I also wanted to address, we live in, you and I, Dana, both live in the Bible Belt, and we live in a place where most people would profess profess to be believers, whether they live a fruitful life or or don't. Um, but what about the notion that people think, oh, this family goes to church, um, that there could be no harm um, because these folks are in, in church? Um, could you address that a little bit, um, just living where we live culturally? Well, um, I, I think that was one of my stereotypes, too, that has burned up many moons ago. Um, I think that there can be people who who know the Lord, profess to know the Lord, are involved in church in whatever way I wouldn't venture to know their heart, but they came from abuse and now they abuse. It can be a pastor. It can be the child of a pastor. It can be like it can be a very, like a woman who goes to church every Sunday, who is verbally um, and even physically abusive to her spouse or her children. It, it isn't a man-woman thing. I, I sometimes wonder about the numbers. Not that I don't think probably more women are abused because they're often more vulnerable, but I believe that there's a lot more abuse to men. I just think women are more likely to tell. I think there's a lot that goes in with the stereotype of what a man should be. And when a man finally tells you that he was abused, it is like, because women lots of times will announce it on the first session. This happened to me when I was a child and they'll explain all about it. And off the top of my head, I cannot think of a single man who ever told me that the first day I met them. Often it is months to even a second or third round of counseling over a period of years before they say, I just want to tell you this. And, um, and and it's often too, these women have talked to people. They've told people, they've told their friends, they've told, and these men will say, I've never told anybody this. So they just carry it because they, they find it humiliating. Sure. Sure. Um, you you mentioned the word stronghold, and probably when we end this episode, I, I want to land in in that place of, of talking about how we, uh, according to the word, how we demolish strongholds, how we tear those down, how we identify those um, in our lives and, and generationally, because I think a lot of times um, issues of domestic violence are generational strongholds that have been uh, passed on and on. And and just briefly, one more kind of big picture question. How often have you observed that to be the case, that a perpetrator of abuse was abused themselves? How often is that the case? Oh, I think it's, I think there's times we don't know it, but I think it is very rare that we wake up in the morning and decide if, if no one, if we've never witnessed abuse of whatever kind, whether it's physical, emotional, sexual, if we if, if that has never been seen by us or possibly done to us, I don't think we would go there. Like I, I feel like that it because because I used to think as a as a young Christian when I would think about things I wouldn't do, one of the wouldn't do's was work with an abuser. Because I was just, I can't even express. I was just disgusted and I just, I just would think I would never do that. And I was very adamant about it. And as years passed, as things would happen, and I think as God does, um, is you get somebody in as a client and you care about them 
and they're and then you find out they're an abuser, and all of a sudden your world is turned upside down, and you're like, oh, now what do I do? I, I'm sitting in the middle of my I'll never do, and um, I feel like God um, God was very gentle with me and continued to push and prod at me and just said. They're my child, too, and I love them as much as I love you. I love them as much as the person they abused. I love them as much as as um, as I love anyone, and they're worthy of help, and they're worthy of, um, of anything that anyone else is worthy of, and that is a—that that can feel um, humbling, and it can induce fear and all kinds of things. But God is great. God's grace is big enough for for the victim who is sometimes becomes the perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is, the the power of of a lifetime, really. That's what comes to to mind, the choices that we make in a lifetime and how that impacts the next generation, whether uh for life or for death. And that reminds me back to the basic command that, that the Lord gave to His people when He brought them out of the same type of bondage that you speak of. You love seeing women come out of bondage, and He brought them out of this bondage and says, you know, I've set before you life and death. Choose life, um, not because it's just going to impact you, but it's going to impact future generations. And so um, it, with that in mind, Dana, and kind of shifting gears for for our listeners who have um, either left an abusive situation or they were able to um, outgrow it logistically in terms of they're out of that household and not a, a victim uh, to to whatever that that was any anymore how do how does someone begin the process of choosing life when for so long someone else made decisions that impacted them that felt like death? How do you shift from from darkness to light and really get on a pathway forward of of living in the light, so to speak? Could you just what does that process even begin to look like? And I know that's different for everyone, so. Um, but, but yeah, how, what does that look like? Well, um, you asked me to find three resources um, yes. that could help women coming out of an abusive past. And that was, I was like, okay, what do I, you know, what do I choose? Cause I had so many different thoughts. And so in the end I decided, um, well, first I want to say you cannot underestimate the help of a good Christian counselor. Amen. So if yep. if you're looking, if you, if you know you've got a long road, it's really good to seek out some professional help. Do it carefully. Um, c- contact people. Ask lots of questions. Do you know a Christian counselor? What do you know? And then when you go to see a counselor the first time, um, you interview them and you decide, is this where I want to be? There is no shame in meeting somebody and praying through that after the fact and thinking, you know, this just might not be a good fit for whatever reason. You ask God to find you the right person. I think in particular, um, if if you have been abused, in particular sexually abused, you certainly want a woman counselor. Um, there are wonderful men counselors out there. But I just don't think under if that is your issue, that's a good decision. But um, just seek professional help and seek it carefully. So, But I tried to choose things that anybody could do with or without professional help. Okay. So my, my first resource um, is an app, and it's called Dwell. And this app reads God's Word to you, over you. There's six versions of the Bible you could choose from with eight different voices. It can include background music. It's really a beautiful app. But it can be used so many different ways. One way is when you find a scripture um, that just feels like this is my verse for the day, the week, the month. Sometimes God gives me something and it just speaks something new every day. You can add it to a favorites list and you can go back to it day after day. Um, There are tools built in that help you um, with memorization, meditation, there are, um, you can even put it on repeat. 
So sometimes I'll put in like a passage of scripture while I'm working and just hit repeat and let it play hundreds and hundreds of times. I just let it go over and over at night. There's these songs playlists that I'll put on a timer and let play for 30 or 40 minutes while I'm going to sleep. There's all these different um, these different playlists. Like there's one that reads you through the whole Bible chronologically, which is really cool. I've never done that before, so I, I really like that. It's interesting to see what I thought as opposed to what is really the way the Bible is ordered. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's cool. I, yeah, there's a, there's so much to it. I'm just touching the surface of what's there. But the reason I chose this is God's Word is alive, and it will heal your body, it will heal your spirit, it will heal, heal your soul. Like, you cannot hear it and not be changed. Mm-hmm. So, And sometimes I think hearing it once is not enough. I mean, I know it's not enough. Yeah. And what God shows you today is somehow He can show you something different tomorrow in the same passage. So I am I'm a real believer that sometimes God wants to take this same little thing. There are times in my life that I'm I'm like consuming chapters and there are times that I consume the same verse and I'll wake up and mm-hmm. be like, Okay, God, what are we gonna do today? And and it'll and I'm like, But we did that yesterday and the day before <laughs> and it's like I just feel like, Nope, that's where we are. So I um I love this app for that. Like it has so many different things. It just along that same line, this is not about the app, but along the line of repetition, I feel like when I find a song that just speaks to me, recently I was at one of Paige's events, and for the first time I heard the song Gratitude by Brandon Lake. Mm-hmm. And right now that is my song. Love like it. I'll just repeat, repeat, repeat. I just think it is beautiful, and it, I feel God's touch on that song, and I feel the presence of God. I don't think, I don't think God isn't here when I'm not feeling Him. But I love things that draw me into that presence, and yes. that is where that that song does that for me. Mm-hmm. And there's been other times in my life that other songs did that. So taking something that speaks to you and just consuming it in whatever way that looks like. Sometimes I've got it on repeat on my car in my car or the speakers while I'm doing dishes. And then other times I, I'm just sitting in God's presence and it allows me to be present with God without necessarily like reading myself. Cause sometimes I think I get distracted even by that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the repetition that this gives, and it is so beautifully done. You can choose your background music. You can choose all kinds of things. And there is like a seven-day trial period. And then after that, you have to buy it like for a year. How much is that? Do you know? 50-something. Okay. But it has been well worth it for me. Yes. Um, And just from a logistical or practical standpoint, I know some of the ladies that I've worked with in ministry that are survivors um, of of abuse, there may be certain times of day that are triggers to them, or uh, you know, maybe where abuse occurred in the past, or or at night when they are trying trying to to rest. And so, just even having a practical tool like that that you could pull up even with headphones on anywhere at any time uh, when you're approaching maybe a time of day that is difficult to even get through, you know, a particular set of minutes or or hours or whatever, whatever that kind of trigger time frame would look like. I love the simplicity of being able to go to an app of knowing, okay, this is a a verse that the Lord has spoken uh, to me and allowing that to begin to fill that time instead of what was in the past. Right. Yeah, that would be a great way to use it. I just think there's, honestly, I, I'm pretty um, uh, pretty cheap. <laughs> like, I don't tend to buy a lot of apps. I don't have very many. And I don't even know how. I, I'm sure I read this somewhere. I heard it on something I'm listening to. But when I am... Um, I downloaded the the free version for and thought, I'll just see what I think. And the first day I bought it because I thought, this is so good. Like, this just serves me in so many different ways. And they have like a lifetime thing for $150. And since I bought it, I kind of wish I would have went the other way. I'm like, oh, 
I, I like a bargain because I really believe, I guess I'll see if I'm still using it this much a year from now, yeah. but I really, really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it just makes my walk stronger and it allows me um, just more freedom and different in, in, the, in, the, in that focused time on God when I'm busy or when I'm still. Yeah. Well, that's great. So that's a great, that's a great resource. What else do you have on your resource list, Dana? Okay, the second one is um, a book called Self-Deliverance, Made Simple by Dennis and Jen Clark. So Jen Clark is a psychologist, I think, and Dennis Clark is um, a pastor. And the two of them travel around speaking, and they've written a lot of books. Anything by them is so good, so practical, very clearly done. If you don't want to get the books, go to YouTube and look up Dennis and Jen Clark. And there are tons and tons of great videos. Like they are, they're unbelievable and they lead you through things. They just teach things so effectively. We will try to put a, um, a YouTube link or if that's on YouTube, we'll try to put some resource links in the podcast notes to share this for our listeners so that you can can access those. And then if you do happen to be physically in the Texoma area, we'll be sure to order a couple copies of that book to keep at the Ministry House um, in case you want to borrow one. Go ahead, Dana. I just wanted to throw that in. Okay. So the term deliverance can be such a touchy subject with people, often people in the church, um, but we look at the ministry of Jesus, he delivered people from bondage all the time. Sure. And I think if he wanted to deliver people in the Bible, he wants to deliver us. He wants to bring us to freedom. Yes. They make deliverance very simple. They make it very, um, it just, it makes sense. They explore it through the scriptures, and then they give you very simple ways um to cope. They talk about things such as unforgiveness, emotional trauma, physical and sexual trauma, abuse, and many other things that can hold you in bondage. And then they give you very clear instruction on how to be free from that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just all of their stuff is good. Like okay. They do a lot of forgiveness work. I, I haven't, I don't have, I've bought multiple things and I watch them often and I've just never been disappointed. Okay. Good the to know. third resource is called The Daily Decree by Brenda Kuhneman. In Proverbs 18.21, the word says, The tongue can speak words of life or death. Those who love and talk must be ready to accept what it brings. So God's really clear about the power of our words. We should be encouraged that our own words can lead us to a better place. But we also have to be aware that our words can take us to very dark places. So I want to read, I, this book is, I, this is another book I really love. And I, I read it all the time. And when I bought it, it came with some audio cassettes that I listened to in my car on repeat. Like I just played them over and over for a long time, for weeks and weeks of weeks. But the book is very good. And the one that I chose is called um, The Broken Hearted Healed. Today, we decree that your heart and your soul is mended from all brokenness, turmoil, and pain. We call for an anointing to heal the brokenhearted and to mend your wound. We ask Jesus, the great physician, to restore you from the pain arising from loss, betrayal, mistreatment, abuse, and loneliness. We say that all tormenting memories are erased from your mind. We command the spirit of fear that it would come to make you apprehensive about your future is bound in the name of Jesus. We declare the negative events of the past no more have power to harass, haunt, or take up residence in your thoughts. We speak inner peace and emotional wholeness over you and that assurance, confidence, and faith will arise within you to replace all of your past brokenness. Mm-hmm. We speak a mighty and divine healing upon you now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captive and recover sight to the blind and to set liberty upon them who are bruised. And that's Luke 4, 18. Mm-hmm. But that's just one of the decrees. And there are, there's like a whole book full and um, they're just so timely. And I think that we have to speak 
what we desire over ourselves, and the book really gives you a good structure to understand that, and lots and lots of degrees. And I would just add to to that, um, that especially when, when I'm reading in Proverbs, there's so much about words and about the tongue. But really, your thoughts and your words essentially are the same because one informs the other. And um, and so just whether you're listening to—I mean, we have to get to a place of, of, of confession. The Word tells us that, that we believe, and then we confess with our mouth. But even just putting the right thoughts in into our mind, whether it's through— um, a book like uh, like Brenda Kuhneman's or whether um, it's through the the deliverance ministry tool that you've talked about or the dwell app if we will plant those right thoughts those are going to come out as as words and that is going to renew our mind and it's and it's going to put us in a different place of faith uh, than when we began that that process so I just wanted to marry that concept that thoughts and words really are, are the same um, in that thoughts, you know, become become your words, and um, and a lot of this is about is about that um, mind renewal and replacing uh, the old thoughts with with new thoughts. Um, Dana, I have kind of two more questions, and one's going to come back to that that uh, breaking uh, strongholds thing. We'll end with that, but something that I've observed, and this is totally understandable. But uh, ladies that perhaps are my friends that have have come out of um, abuse situations, they may have been isolated for so long, either literally or isolated, in that they could not tell someone what was going on. Um, that sometimes there's a level of of distrust. Um, for community, even for healthy community, for faith community. Um, yet I think about um, ne- the book of Nehemiah, and I think about the character of Nehemiah and how God calls Nehemiah to go back and, and to rebuild a temple, rebuild something that had been destroyed and and um, and, and some other things in, in Jerusalem and and so I think about that story and, and how God also brings the right people uh, and the right community around Him to labor with Him in that process uh, because there's tremendous opposition that comes against Him as He goes about rebuilding. And so when I think about these ladies who find themselves like recognizing that they're in a rebuilding process, um, but they may not have much capacity for trusting good community. How how do you move from that place of isolation and distrust to um, to community and and friendship that that is going to be part of of a you know your rebuilding and your healing journey? How do you kind of bridge that gap? Because that's something that I've just I've just observed um, in, in recent years in ministry. Well. I- I feel like you do it carefully and and you pray for wisdom to recognize healthy people. Because sometimes sometimes I think the reason we get burned is because we wind up making poor choices in in who we choose to share our story with or who we ask for help from. So we really seek God. God show me that. Um who's healthy and show me how to do this. And there is a risk. There's a risk that if you if you reach out, you could get burned. But it's a risk worth taking mm-hmm. because we do not get well in isolation. Mm-hmm. We have to have a community. And, and when we flip that over and we think, so as believers, what should we be doing to draw people from isolation? Um, and I, I think that we have to be a friend, even when it's awkward, even when we don't know. I know I've come across people before that I felt like God said, stick by this person. It, it was not fun. Like, it, it would just be like, we would sit and they wouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And and I would just, I would feel like I'm giving like little speeches. <laughs> like, why? Uh, you know, it's, it's like being with somebody who doesn't hold up their side of the conversation. If yeah. that is going on, you are dealing with a wounded person. Yeah. Keep being with them. Even when it doesn't feel good, you mm-hmm. just stay with them. And sometimes where we feel like we need to talk, we don't. We just mm-hmm. need to be with them. We just need to sit and 
give them a drink and be present, turn some music on. They're, they're scared and they're lonely and they're wounded. Yeah. And then if the spirit prompts you to speak, then you speak. And then you say what you need to say. And then you get comfortable in that uncomfortableness again, because people need you to stand beside them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, yeah. It, and it just doesn't always look like we wish it would. And we think, well, why won't they talk? Why won't they do this? Because they're hurting. Mm-hmm. And you you just have to stand in it. And um, thankfully, you know, God, God draws them and he'll use your presence. And like what they remember of those times, because I've asked people before, I've become friends enough to say, do you remember when you first met? And they're like, yeah, that was such a good time. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like why? And they're like, well, nobody, everybody avoided me. Mm-hmm. Like, but they don't even understand why people avoided them. Mm-hmm. You know, they remember it as a good time, like as positive. And my remembrance is awkward yeah. and uncomfortable and thinking, what in the world am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Because they can even seem rude. Yeah. You know, it can just come out so many different ways. But it's like we as believers have to be ready to stand in there and be by them mm-hmm. until they're ready to trust us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a wise um, a wise answer, um, and and I would just say to to believers too, just to care about other people's recovery, to care about their freedom as much as you care about your your own, to care to hear their story when they're ready to share it, and to recognize that like the scripture talks about not casting your pearls before swine, some some of them the deep and most painful things of our lives are those pearls. And so we never want to be swine. We want to be stewards of of what is precious and and near the heart of God. And and we know that tears are precious to him, that he counts them, that he records them, you know, in his book. And so I love what you said just about being willing to sit with people, even if it's awkward, even if you don't know what to say. Um just be willing, and that's really all that God ever asks us to do, is to be willing to be His hands and feet. And uh, before we move into uh, strongholds and soul ties and ending there, I did just want to share two scriptures. These will probably come up in this whole series of um, of podcast episodes, but I love John 14, where Jesus is kind of giving some departing remarks uh, to His disciples before He goes to the cross, and, and He's telling them about the Holy Spirit that's going to come and, and how that Spirit's going to be with them, in them. Uh, that spirit of truth is going to lead them into truth. And and when Dana's saying, pray for wisdom, if you are a born-again believer in Christ, meaning you have confessed Jesus as Savior of your life, you have asked for new life in Him, um, then you have the Holy Spirit. And I would just encourage you to even right now, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you um, in, your, in your inner being, like not just to fill you, but to make you overflow from the top of your head to the, the bottom of your feet so that you feel that spirit of truth and operation in your life telling you either how to minister to someone in this situation, or if you're a person in the situation, how to discern what Dana said, who is trustworthy community, who is the counsel that I need. But in in this set of verses, John 14, um, 16 through 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And and that word orphans um, in, in Greek, it's Strong's Greek 3737. Um, it can be defined as um, of uncertain affinity. I will not leave you as someone with an uncertain affinity, but I will come to you. And I love that because that covers such a bigger breadth of people and maybe those coming out of trauma that feel like they are stuck in an uncertain affinity in life. And yes, we have the, the spirit of truth in us, but part of the way that Jesus um, fulfills what he's saying, I will come to you. He picks people like Dana and like me and like you, the listener, anyone that's a believer, to be his hands and feet and to go and to be with those folks who find themselves in uncertainty that it, that is left uh, because of trauma and abuse. And the, another verse I wanted to share, um, and, and this is something, again, if you downloaded that Dwell app, you could pull up this verse as an example uh, just to meditate on it and to think about it. But it's Psalm 18 and in verse 16, it says, He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. 
and he drew me out of deep waters, and he rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who were too strong for me that confronted me in the day of disaster. But the Lord was my salvation, and he brought me into a spacious place because he delighted in me. And so um, someone needs to hear that, that the Lord delights in you, and he rescues you, and he wants to bring you into a spacious place, not of a, not a place of uncertainty, um, and, and that um, he is going to equip you with all that you need um, as he takes you out of out of deep waters. You're going to feel that trustworthy Savior taking, taking hold of you. So Dana, as we as we close out this part, I want you to talk a little bit about strongholds and soul ties and and breaking breaking those off um, in a in a practical way and in a spiritual way, um, so so that there's freedom from from that. Can you address kind of define and address that a little bit, and then we'll close out this episode. Okay, so um, I think soul ties is an interesting um, is an interesting concept, especially in this day and age of so much premarital sex, um, and then it has a whole other context when you consider um, abuse, um, sexual abuse in particular. But a soul tie is um, is a connection between between two hearts. And one way that we can create a soul tie is by any kind of sexual contact. And so when you consider that from the perspective of, ab- of abuse, um, that would absolutely be a soul tie that we don't want. And, and one way to think of it is like, just use the name of Jesus and the power attached to that name to disconnect yourself from that per- person. So from a practical point of view, you could just say, in the name of Jesus, I disconnect my my heart and soul from this person, whoever this abuser was. I cut that cord. I cut that tie, letting all parts of that person go back to them through the blood of Jesus and all parts of me to come back to me through the blood of Jesus. Because that's just a tie you would never want to have. But, but we know that when we, when we read in the Bible, the two become one. That is that understanding that when we have sexual relationships with somebody, whether we desire it or not, the two become one. And that's just a whole other um, thought process for thinking about the reasons why not to have premarital sex. It's like, how many people do you want to become one with? And and, and it's not like that that oneness or that connection goes away just because the relationship ends. So I, I, I talk to young girls about this all the time, that, you know, it's like you deserve and the person you're going to marry deserves to be the one that you become one with. Like the first and the only one that you become one with. And it creates such a, so much more of a powerful bond. So that idea that I can... I can, in essence, harness the blood of Jesus. He gives me power as that belief, as a believer to sever that tie between me and anyone I've had sex with, willing or unwilling, that I don't need to be tied to. But I also think, like, if you consider, like, say you're in a current relationship and you're just like, do we have a healthy soul tie? I think it's wonderful to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, Create, create the bond that you desire. Fortify the tie between me and my spouse. Make it strong, and I apply the blood of Jesus to that, and I make it everything God wanted it to be. Even if you have, even if when you look and think, oh, how many people have I tied myself to? You go back and sever those ties, and then you ask Jesus to, to heal the tie that you currently have to heal the tie that you're that you have with your spouse and make it healthy and make it all he intended it to be. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. And then what about in terms of, uh, do you distinguish any between uh, generational strongholds now and, and soul ties and really recognizing um, if strongholds exist and if they need to be um, broken down? Yes, I think that's such a big question. I'm sorry, but, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, 
thinking in terms of simplicity. Like, um, if you look into your family history and you see a repeat, like you see that the men in your family tend to drink or you see that there's a lot of verbal abuse or that there's a lot of divorce or there, like anything you see as a repeater, I see that there's a very strong potential that there is a stronghold. Mm-hmm. There's some way the enemy has gotten in. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like, Paige, this is like a question that could last two hours. I know. So <laughs> like, sorry. I'm like, ah, how do I? So, so, um, okay, I'm going to refer you to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to refer you to a book. Because I feel like that could be like part of the big answer that that has been a big answer for me. But then I'll talk about it a little more. Okay. Um, Robert Henderson's The Courts of Heaven. Okay. Um, I love that book. It opened my eyes to things in a very different way about the, the purpose of The Courts of Heaven and um, the fact that as a believer, I have a right to by faith step into The Courts of Heaven and ask because Jesus died and covered all the sins of myself and my and my ancestors, I have a right to ask like cases the cases basically cases that Satan and his world has put against me and my family. I have a right to have those set aside because that's why Jesus died, because it's like an actual um it's an actual court and there are actual things going on there. So um I love that resource to learn more about that. It's a, it was a very eye-opening um, bunch of material. And that's another one you can find lots and lots of free things on YouTube. Okay. That's, that's but, good to know. But um, as a more global thought on that, um, I feel like that you can just begin to pray and seek God. God, show me the strongholds and then renounce them. Mm-hmm. You know, in Jesus' name, I, I renounce the stronghold. And in my opinion, if you're going to do it for yourself, do it for your life. Like, do it for everybody. You're just saying, I renounce this on behalf of my family line. We do not have to put up with this because we are your children. Yeah. And, Abuse will not come ask, against my children, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. So you just want, in my mind, if I'm going to be trying to free myself, I, I want to, I want to free us all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we just all want to be free from that. So, um, I feel like seeking the spirit on that and just saying, show me where there are strongholds in my life. Show me there are strongholds in my family's life, and then know just because it always was doesn't mean that we are destined to have to live that way. We're designed to be free. Where the spirit is, there's freedom. We we should not just think, well, this is just the way my family is, because if we think about that from that perspective of decrees, basically, we're just decreeing that trash right over ourselves, and we just, you know, we need to say, no, this is what God has for me, and that's because of what I claim as my heritage and the heritage of my people. Mm -hmm. We don't have to just rest in the mess. Right. We We can move out of it. Absolutely. Well, Dana um, and ladies, Dana's going to close us out in prayer, uh, just praying a prayer blessing and freedom uh, for anyone who who's uh, born witness with, with the things that we've talked about. And then be sure to stick around after Dana hops off to hear um, about uh, community resources available to to you. So Dana, if you would um, close us out in prayer, um, then then we'll we'll conclude this episode. Dear Lord, I just come to you and I ask you, Father, to bless this time that we've spent, Lord. I ask you to take anything that was said, Father, and place it in the hands of the people who need to hear it, Lord. I pray that whoever needs to hear this, whether it be someone who needs to come alongside and help somebody or someone who needs to find their own freedom, Lord, that, that this would be heard from the day it's released on, Lord, by every person that needs to hear it. I know, Lord, with all this new technology, Lord, there can be people who don't live in America. There can be people who are all the way on the other side of the world that need this, and somehow it could get their father. I pray that that you would just open doors, Lord, and that you bless this ministry, Father, in the ability to just touch hearts and I pray, Lord, a blessing over every person that hears it, Father. I pray an understanding, Lord. 
that your freedom will come. I pray, Lord, that 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 they wouldn't just find a little bit of freedom, Lord, that they would find complete freedom, Father, that they would find the freedom that would allow them to go on and minister to the next person and the next person, Lord. I pray that that you would bless this ministry, Father, and that you bless each person involved in it. Ask all these things in your son's name. Thank you so much, Dana. And I love you said that you don't have to rest in the in the mess. I would just add on um, for those who are uh, beginning their healing healing journey. And, and just to qualify that, I think we all get more free every day until we depart in we depart this life. Not that our freedom isn't fully available and present, but I think we walk in a greater revelation of freedom and healing each day. But we do, through Entourage Ministries, have a resource called Hearts at Rest. If you are wanting to kind of scratch the surface a little bit on um, on putting your heart at rest and not not resting in 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 the mess, so you can find out more about that on our our website. But Dana, I thank you so much for your um, time and and for sharing your anointing. And I trust that the Lord will use the seed to, in fact, um, bring women out of bondage and into freedom. So God bless you, Dana. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Ladies, thank you for joining us in this uh, special series concerning domestic uh, violence and domestic violence awareness. If you are in an abusive situation, we want to at this time give you some contact information um, that you can access immediately. So if you are in the Texoma area with us, we have a crisis control center that serves Bryan, Atoka, Marshall, and Johnston counties. Their emergency hotline number is 580 924 3030. That's 580-924-3030. There is a statewide hotline that is a 24-hour safe line, and that phone number is 1-800-522-7233. And um, at that phone number, they'll be able to provide assistance with safety planning, crisis intervention, emergency shelter and advocacy to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. Um, There's a national domestic violence hotline hotline 1-800-799-7233. There's also a national teen dating abuse helpline, uh, 1-866-331-9474. And I would, I would say also, um, if you are are on the other of, on the other side, not in an emergency situation, but looking for a next step of, of recovery um, within the faith community, even perhaps to visit celebraterecovery.com. Um, they they walk people through many things, and you could find a local chapter in your area, um, and and that may be a good place to start with engaging in community that's confidential. Uh, that it, that is safe. But again, if you are in the Texoma area with us on the Oklahoma side of the Red River, you can contact 580-924-3030. And that is for our local crisis center. Um, if we can be praying for you, uh, please let us know at entourageministries.com. Thank you for your time. May you be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. We gather for our monthly worship gathering open to any woman who has interest the second Tuesday of every month at the Monterey in the Arts District of Durant, Oklahoma.